And now it is my pleasure to introduce our guest speakers. I've been introducing you for like four weeks, I think, telling people to get here, telling them to watch on the live stream. So I'm excited that you guys are here. And, you know, Bertha is a pretty exciting place. You guys saw all of Bertha yesterday. Took, a, took, took dozens of minutes. It was really amazing. Really, really good. Bobby and Jenny, we're so happy to have you with us. And just so you know, our church, as many churches do, we tithe. Our church tithes. As an example, and because we feel like tithing is something that we are called to do. The word tithe means 10%. So in case you're wondering, you can't give a tithe and say, I'll give 2%. Or I'll give 15%. That's not a tithe. A tithe is 10% on our increase. Our church gives a tithe, 10% on our increase. So the money that you give to New Life Church of God, 10% of that money goes to various projects outside of Bertha. One of those projects is you. Our church has supported you for, I believe, a year and a half now. And a couple years ago for our fall in gathering, we gave our entire fall in gathering to you so that your ministry in the Ivory Coast could continue and even expand. And as many of you know, we have sent two work teams to the Ivory Coast. So Jeff Van Epps is here. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Jeff made the trip down from Grand Rapids uh, because two years ago, we went and we put up uh, a lot of cement blocks in Semfra. I don't ever want to see a cement block again <laughs> because I was part of that trip. And uh, Dave and Nate, you were part of that trip. Ryan, my son, and my father, Ernie, were part of that trip. And it was good. We got the walls put up, even though the foundations were way off. I mean, way off. That wasn't totally our fault, but we made it work, right? And then, a year after that, well, a little less than a year, only like eight months, another work group from our church, from Bertha, went. And so Jack went, and Dan Osborne, welcome back, Dan and Carol, welcome back with us this morning. Uh, you guys went, and you put the roof on top of the block walls that we put up. And the church in Senfra, they also continued to do some work between that time. They built up the, the, the wall to the final level so that the rafters could be put on. And my thinking is that this morning, the Semfra Church met in that building, and they had a, I mean, they're just a fantastic group of people, brothers and sisters in Christ. Pastor Francis is, I just said this yesterday, significantly better looking than I am. So that church gets to have uh, a much better looking pastor than you, and amen. <laughs> and that's just fantastic. He makes every shirt he wears look good. I don't know what that is, but he's pretty cool. You're going to see a picture of Francis uh, later in the slideshow today. So with that, we want you to know we are with you. And when I got to preach in the Semfra Church on that Sunday morning, I was so nervous. But what I got to do was say that you have a church in Minnesota, and they're like, where's Minnesota? You have a church in Minnesota that is your partner church, your sister church. And I got to say in a sermon, we are with you. We are in this together. And so, I'm just happy to have you guys come up. But before you come up, I want you guys, um, if you would, we're going to have a time at the end when I'm going to bring a microphone around for you to ask questions, okay? And I'm hoping that that time of questions will be very rich. 
So as they come up and do their slideshow that they do, and as they talk about what their ministry is like in the Ivory Coast, if you have a question, write it down, okay? So that when I come to you with the microphone, um, you will be able to ask them questions. And I, we have to use a microphone so the people in the live stream can hear your questions too. I'll wipe it off with, a, with an antibacterial rag before we hand it between you, okay? And with that, Bobby and Jenny... I bring welcome. Good morning. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> uh, we're glad to be here this morning. My name is Bobby, and this is Jenny, our son Moore, and our daughter Reese. We are missionaries in Cote d'Ivoire also known as the Ivory Coast in West Africa. Uh, first of all, we would like to say thank you for your uh, faithfulness, for your partnership uh, with the church in Cote d'Ivoire. This morning, uh, we would like to start off by giving a, our brief testimonies, so that way you'll get to know us a little bit better. And then we'll talk about uh, what God is doing in Cote d'Ivoire and some of the stories we'll share through that. So I was born in, um, in the northeastern part of India, and it's a state called Meghalaya. The Church of God has been there for over 115 years, so it's been there for a long time. I'm a third-generation Church of God. Uh, my grandpa was a uh, pastor for more than 50 years, uh, but I grew up in a very diverse family where my uh, dad's side of the family were not Christians. Uh, they were Hindus. Uh, that's a religion in India. And my uh, maternal grandpa, who was a pastor, he lived only two houses down. So I could visit him pretty much every day. And so that's where I learned uh, a lot of the Bible st stories. And he had used, if you're familiar with the Eggermeyer Bible storybook, to tell stories to all his grandkids. But it was not until I was in high school that... I attended a, an evangelical students camp uh, in the city I grew up in, and that's where I gave my life to Christ, and a few years down the line after that, I felt God was calling me to missions, uh, cross-cultural missions. I did not say yes right away, cause, uh, and I wrestled with that call for a few more years, and it was not until in 2006 when I was living, I moved away from my city and moved to the city called Kolkata, India, and it's... Uh, I don't know, more than 10 million people in that city. And that's when I said yes to God to the call that he had put in my heart. And two years later, God opened the door for me to come to Anderson University School of Theology, where I did my master's uh, at the seminary there. And from then on, um, then God opened the door for us to serve in Cote d'Ivoire. My testimony is quite different. On the next slide, you'll be able to see where Bobby's from in that little red area um, in Northeast India. And then you can also see that I'm from Woodburn, Oregon. So I grew up, um, we were 
uh, a pastor's family, and so we were often at church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and I gave my heart to Christ at a young age. And when I was 12 years old, I first felt um, that seed for missions planted in my heart, but I really struggled with that. So similar to what um, Pastor Mike said this morning, you just never know where the Lord is going to call you, Um, but I really didn't want to leave what was familiar to me. I didn't want to go to a weird place with an odd climate and and strange food, and so um, it took me a few years to answer that call and say yes to the Lord. Uh, But when I did, I uh, agreed to follow the Lord wherever he would lead, and so that then led me to go to college, and I double majored in English education and Bible religion with the idea of being a missionary teacher. So after I graduated from undergrad, I served for three years in Tokyo, Japan. And during that time, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to leadership development, to train um, leaders uh, to come up into the church and to take leadership in the church. I felt like if I was going to do that, I needed to go to seminary. And so after three years in Japan, I moved back to the U.S. to go to seminary. And I enrolled in a Master of Arts in Intercultural Service program, which is a missions program. And one of the requirements was a cross-cultural internship. So the summer between the first year of seminary and the second year of seminary, um, I decided to do my internship at a small school in India. And I didn't have anyone to pick me up at the airport. So a friend of mine from seminary, he uh, had a friend in India and said, well, maybe this friend can pick you up. Uh, But unfortunately, her mom was sick, so she couldn't come pick me up at the airport. So he asked another friend of his, but she was a nurse working the night shift, and my flight got in almost at midnight, so she couldn't come. So he asked an older couple from his church, but they were on vacation. So at the last minute, he asked his cousin to pick me up at the airport, and that was Bobby. So he picked me up at the airport, but he also picked me up at the airport. And (laughs) that is how we met. And uh, a year later, Bobby also moved to the U.S. to go to seminary. And two years after that, we were married. So after um, having some time, spending some time um, with global strategy of uh, the Church of God and seeking a place where we could serve, we really felt called to Cote d'Ivoire because it was an area in which uh, we could use the gifts that God had given us to work in leadership development. So there are three main areas that we um, work in in Cote d'Ivoire. And one of them is with the Children of Promise um, Child Sponsorship Program. The other is teaching at West Africa Bible Institute, also known as EBAL. And then the third main area is through service experiences or work camps um, that Pastor Jason mentioned this morning. So we're going to tell you a little bit about each of those. On the next slide, you'll be able to see a map of uh, Cote d'Ivoire, which is also called the Ivory Coast. And it is situated, as you can see in the top left corner, in that little black square of um, the the part uh, of the map of Africa. And uh, Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, is a French-speaking country. So before Bobby and I went to Cote d'Ivoire, we spent one year in language school learning French, and we teach at the Bible school um, in French, and then also all the other areas in which we work. Um, We conduct most of what we're doing in French. There are not very many English speakers in Cote d'Ivoire. 
In the next um, slide, you'll be able to see uh, a picture of two of our children who are in Children of Promise. Children of Promise launched four years ago in Cote d'Ivoire. And as I mentioned, this is the child sponsorship program that is connected to the Church of God. And they have the program in 30 countries in the world. And Cote d'Ivoire was the 29th country. So four years ago, we helped to launch this program. And this program pairs a sponsor with a child in Cote d'Ivoire to offer the child food, health care, and medicine and education each month. Twelve volunteers um, have been trained through our uh, leadership as directors and are leading all of the elements of the Children of Promise uh, program except for the administrative side that requires translation. So um, that's been one of our main areas of work in Cote d'Ivoire is to train these leaders and uh, to help them to be able to carry out this program in the country. These 12 Children of Promise volunteers have really gone the extra mile, especially during the pandemic, to make sure that the families um, receive these food and hygiene items, particularly um, during this pandemic. So even when the churches were closed in Cote d'Ivoire, um, they would go to each house of the children who were sponsored and offer those items to them, um, even when the families couldn't make it to church. The program continues to grow, and there are currently 43 children sponsored, and a number of you um, here today are sponsors of some of those children. We've had the opportunity to offer the children needed support and education through partnership with two nonprofit organizations within the last year. One of them is Days for Girls, and the other is The Shoe That Grows. You're going to hear more about Days for Girls a little bit later. The Shoe That Grows on the next slide are adjustable, high-quality shoes that last for up to five years. So these are high-quality shoes that are... Um, that are reasonably um, affordable that we can get here in the U.S. and uh, we're able to get those over to our students. High quality shoes in Cote d'Ivoire are really expensive because when they ship good quality shoes normally, they put on an import tax. So they're shipped from overseas and manufactured and then they add an import tax. So it can be really expensive for people to be able to um, purchase high quality shoes. But then also we all know that kids feet grow really fast. So having to buy new shoes every six months, year, year and a half, it can be um, difficult for people to be able to afford that. Also, um, keeping in mind that one of the main modes of transportation for um, children specifically in Cote d'Ivoire is walking. And so shoes are really important as they walk to and from school each day. So thanks to sponsors, each sponsored child received a pair of the shoe that grows last year. And these can adjust. You can see buttons on the sides, um, a strap on the back, and buttons in the front. And they can last up to five years. They're very uh, durable. They're made out of the same material that car tires are made of here in the U.S. on the soles. And so that's been a really helpful thing for our uh, sponsored children to be able to receive. Children of Promise is functioning in two locations in Cote d'Ivoire, and we'd like to give you a glimpse into these two areas by sharing a story with you from each of these areas. One of our Children of Promise programs is located in a cocoa farming village called Platform. On the next slide, you'll see the leader of our program there, and his name is Alexi. 
The story of investment in Alexi's family goes back a number of years and has yielded a great impact. Ten years ago, Alexi's young daughter was very ill. She's not in this picture, but uh, the Church of God missionaries there at the time, Larry and Leanne Sellers and Sherman and Kay Kreitzer, cared for Alexi and his family by visiting his daughter as she was hospitalized and then also helping her to get medical treatment. This love and care had such an impact on Alexi and his wife, who was pregnant at the time, that they decided that if their new baby was a girl, they were going to name her Kay after one of the missionaries there, and if their baby was a boy, they would name him Sherman. So Alexi's daughter, who had been very sick, she was healed by the Lord, and baby boy Sherman was born later that year. Through the discipleship of the local Church of God congregation in Platform, Alexi and his wife continued to grow in their faith. Four years ago, when Children of Promise launched in Cote d'Ivoire, Alexi eagerly agreed to lead the volunteer group at Platform. Alexi had experienced the love of God through the investment of missionaries and his local pastor. And the impact that that made on his family um, made a change in his life. And so one of the first sponsored children in the program in Cote d'Ivoire was his son Sherman, who is uh, pictured here as well. So now Alexi is investing himself in impacting the lives of children with the love of God in his village. Our second Children of Promise location is in the city uh, in the northern part of uh, Côte d'Ivoire, and it's called Korogo. So after training volunteers to work with Children of Promise in Korogo, we were able to walk alongside them and visit the homes of the first children applying for sponsorship. So one of the children we visited was Suzanne. So Suzanne's family attended the local Church of God in uh, Korogo, and the pastor of the local Church of God had and continues to invest in the family uh, throughout this, uh, through discipleship. At the same time uh, that we went to Suzanne's house to do her application, our friend and ongoing partner, uh, Katie, was visiting us in Cote d'Ivoire from California. Katie, a nurse, agreed to do basic medical exams on the children as we took their application. Katie was able to connect her passion in a tangible way. At that initial visit four years ago, Katie medically examined Suzanne. So watch with us as Suzanne tells us her story. Je me nomme Kone Gisangi Suzanne, je suis en classe de CM2, j'ai 11 ans. Commencement du programme, j'avais mal aux pieds. Quand ma fille Suzanne avait mal aux pieds, elle ne peut pas rien jouer. Grâce au programme des enfants les promesses, 
Elle a réussi la guérison en 2019. Là, elle a commencé à jouer au ballon. Je viens pour dire merci au programme des enfants, aux promesses, pour tout ce qu'ils ont fait pour ma vie, le soutien qu'ils ont apporté à ma famille. Je leur dis merci au nom de Jésus. Katie's investment made a significant impact. You see, when Katie performed a health checkup on Suzanne, she found that Suzanne had been washing the skin ulcers on her feet with bleach water, which was actually eating away her skin. Suzanne and her parents had been applying an antifungal cream, but an antibiotic ointment was needed for these wounds. Suzanne's sponsor would make it possible for Suzanne to get the correct medication and a pair of durable shoes to protect her feet. Suzanne's local church and the church uh, and the Children of Promise volunteers uh, within her church continue to walk alongside her so that she can literally walk alongside others. Children of Promise has made wholeness possible for Suzanne. We're excited to see what the Lord has done in the life of Suzanne and what he will do in the next five, 10, and 50 years. Alexi and Suzanne are just two examples of lives that have been impacted, and that impact in leading them to invest in others as they are being raised up and used by God to encourage, strengthen, and grow his church. The church in Côte d'Ivoire would like to see a Children of uh, Promise program in every congregation, and more volunteers are ready to be trained and we're eager to return to Côte d'Ivoire and, uh, and start a third Children of Promise location. As Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. For those who have been called to preach the good news and to invest their lives in the church, IBAO is the West African Bible Institute of the Church of God where Church of God pastors and leaders are trained. Jenny and I both teach classes at IBAO, and this past year we have taught Christian education, systematic theology, and comparative religions. One new addition to the IBAO curriculum over the past two years has been morning English classes taught by Jenny that help the students to learn to read in English with the goal to, uh, of making additional uh, theological texts available to them. Although IBAO classes are currently paused due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the widespread ministry of current IBAO students remain as they minister in their communities uh, during this time of great need. One important practical aspect of training IBAO offers is practical experiences through internship. During the final year of IBAO, each student is paired with uh, a pastor, an experienced pastor, who walks alongside the students and helps him or her in uh, ministering to others. So it's been our joy to see former students investing in God, uh, God's work by planting churches, leading congregations, and discipling others.
One of these former students, um, Ibao students, is Francis. Francis had discipled and impacted those around him in his home village and in the town where his wife is from. Francis graduated from Ibao in 2017. One of the young men he had discipled in his home village moved to his wife's uh, town later on, and he kept in touch with this young man. As Francis walked alongside this young man, he also felt God's call on, on his life. And this young man is now serving in his local church, teaching Sunday school, and he is currently a student at Ibao. After graduating from Ibao, Francis began pastoring at a church in the village of Senfra. The church was meeting in a building that was originally built as the parsonage where the pastor was supposed to live. And this is uh, the village where you sent two teams to be able to go and help them build a church. It was a cramped area that they were meeting in. And on any given Sunday, it was hard to find a seat inside with people sitting shoulder to shoulder. And uh, they were sitting on backless benches. And the national church had asked that a group come alongside this church to help them with building a church church that would meet their needs. So one of the areas in which we're privileged to serve is to help to host these service experiences, which are groups that come from North America to work alongside the church in Cote d'Ivoire. So longtime work camp coordinator and contractor Jeff Van Epps from Minnesota helped in answering the national church's request for partnership in constructing a church building that would accommodate this growing congregation. You, here at New Life, New Life Church of God, helped to answer that request by helping to send not one but two teams to build a new church building there. Thanks to your partnership, what was just an empty piece of land next to their old church building has become a new church building with a vibrant congregation worshiping inside each Sunday. Watch this short video that shows the beginning of the process of this church to the end. Bonjour. Uh, we are in a little village called Sinfra. Uh, my name is Jeff, Jeff Van Epps. I'm from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Uh, we're standing in front of the new church we'll, that we're going to be building. We just put the lines out the other day, and, and as you can see, the uh, footings are almost all dug. Uh, very surprising, that quick, and that uh, they're ready to, to start going. They are excited. I'm sure you've seen the, uh, the little building in the background, which is what has been the church uh, for the last oh, 12 years, I believe. We built that as the pastor's home and the church meeting area until it would get too big. And uh, the, the people have just grown. And that little area that they had for the church is just too small. They now need a church. It's, it's growing in numbers, which is, we love to see that.
God is working there every coast. And I was pleased just to have the opportunity to come alongside the missionaries and the Ivorians to continue what God's doing in that place. There's something powerful about the brothers and sisters in Christ coming together and working alongside each other, coming halfway across the world. It's just for us to say, we're with you. We support you. Not because we're better, not because you're better, but because we're in this together. Thank you, church, for partnering with the church in Cote d'Ivoire to make this building possible, but also for making an incredible partnership possible and for encouraging the, the Ivorian church. One of the really neat things um, in being missionaries is that often we get to see pieces of a puzzle come together, or we get to see ways that the Lord is working um, that are pretty incredible. Some background to uh, the story of these uh, work teams coming that kind of seems to be unrelated until we understand that the Lord was going before us to work all this out, is that a few months prior to the first team that came in 2018, I had heard about a program in South Africa that offered education and menstruation kits to young ladies, a much needed provision for school age girls to be able to maintain healthy hygiene and, continuing, and continue to attend school even during their menstrual cycles. But the program and the materials needed for that did not seem to be available in Cote d'Ivoire. So we remained focused on other areas of ministry for the following months, namely the work camp team that was uh, set to arrive shortly. Pastor Jason, Jeff, and their team, a total of eight people, came in August of 2018, as you know, and did an incredible job of working with and alongside the Ivorian church people to lay the foundation and put up the walls of the new church building in Senfra. It was incredible investment on your part, an incredible impact for the church. But God wasn't done yet. God continued to work. And even after that first team departed, eight months later, as you know, another team would come and help set into motion a program called Days for Girls and Men Who Know. So what happened was I received an email from Jeff Van Epps after that first uh, group came. And he said, hey, I want to put you in touch with someone. And uh, as I mentioned, I had, been, I had found out about this program called Days for Girls, but had no way to get the kits or the items that were needed to actually carry out the program in Cote d'Ivoire. And when Jeff sent that email, he said that one of the people, Dan, that was considering coming to Cote d'Ivoire the next spring, his wife, Carol, sewed these very kits. And Jeff said, have you ever heard of this program? And I was like, yes, I've heard of this program. And I had been praying about it, but I had no idea how to make it happen. And so we got to see step by step how God put these pieces together. And we put together 
this little video that uh, tells the story of some of the work that God was doing to make it possible for the children of Promise Girls and even more than the children of Promise Girls, other girls um, in the community where uh, the village of Platform is located and um, also in Yamasucro to be able to go through the Days for Girls program and for them to receive these kits. So watch this short video that tells the story of the work camps and how this led into a program that the Lord had in the works as well. Well, my name is Pastor Jason Canole. I'm with New Life Church of God in Bertha, Minnesota. And uh, we were just blessed to go to the Ivory Coast. God had called me personally to go to the Ivory Coast and it was a journey from then it was just a matter of when we when I was going not if I was going so Pastor Jason and seven others from Minnesota and Georgia traveled to Cote d'Ivoire to lay the foundation and put up the walls of the new Church of God building in the village of Zemfra among the team members was Dave who attends the church where Jason is pastor I know that Dave has had a, a heart for mission going way back and I'm sure going way forward. My name is Dave uh, Chaffin and I work as a rural mail carrier in Minnesota. This trip was going to be building a church and that was a new experience and something I wanted to be involved with. So it was an easy decision to go. Dave had the opportunity to talk about his experience in Cote d'Ivoire with Dan a contractor who he had gotten to know on his mail route. He's on my rural mail route in Minnesota, and I had just, I think our trip was, well, the, it was there was a write-up in the paper, he saw that, and then I just talked to him about it a little bit, and right away he's like, well, next trip, he said, I want to go, so. Dave connected Dan to the leader of the next work camp team going to Cote d'Ivoire the following year to put the roof on the Semfer Church. He was telling me about a mission trip he'd been on and I was telling him about a mission trip I'd been on and the conversation ended up with me saying, well, if they ever need any help, give me a holler. So. As Dan prepared for his time in Cote d'Ivoire, the Lord made a way for Dan's wife, Carol, to also make an impact in ministry in Cote d'Ivoire, even though she did not physically make the trip with him. Yeah, it was another God working in mysterious ways. Um, my wife joined an international organization about three years ago where they sew, they call it Days for Girls kits for young women. Inside each Days for Girls kit is underwear, reusable panty shields, panty liners, soap, a washcloth and instructions inside a discreet drawstring bag. And she started sewing about three years ago and with out knowing where those kits would go, she. I guess you would say started sewing with faith, period. And um, lo and behold, I end up going to Africa and um, one of the missionaries here, Jenny, was looking, had found out about Days for Girls and was looking for a place to get those kits and they connected and God worked from there. God was many, many steps ahead of us. Carol and her team sewed the kits and sent them with Dan. Jenny went through the online Days for Girls training to teach about the body and how to educate the young women on the use of the menstruation kits. 
Bobby went through the complimentary program for young men called Men Who Know, which teaches young men about the body, hygiene, and how to build a hand washing station without running water. Jenny taught the Days for Girls curriculum to an EBOW alumna, Sylvie, who helped with the first Days for Girls teaching and kit distribution to Children of Promise girls and other young women in the church in the Cocoa Farming Village of Platform. Since that initial teaching, Sylvie has gone on to begin another Days for Girls teaching with the young women in her local Church of God congregation. The investment of the local church in Sylvie's life and her training at Ebal prepared Sylvie to be used by God to impact these young women in ways that would change their daily lives. Through a pastor, a mail carrier, a contractor, a seamstress, and an Ebal trained teacher, we see investments for impact in the Ivorian church. When we invest, when we walk alongside, we not only inspire others to do the same, but we teach by example how we can use what the Lord has gifted us with to make an impact for his kingdom. Your partnership and your investment make it possible for us to direct and train leaders for Children of Promise, to teach at Ebal, and to coordinate and host service experiences in Cote d'Ivoire. We don't do this alone. We are privileged to be a bridge between your investment and the investment of the strong, growing local church in Cote d'Ivoire. On the next slide, you will see um, a picture, again, of us. And we just want to say, as the words say at the bottom of the screen, thank you for investing for impact in God's kingdom. We are only able to be a part of this ministry because you and churches like you send us to do this work, to do this ministry, and that is a privilege. Thank you for investing in impact in God's kingdom. We want to uh, continue to partner with you, and we just want to say thank you for the many ways that you have invested. It's been our privilege to be able to show a couple of these videos at different churches as we visited, uh, both in person and uh, virtually as we visited churches, and to be able to tell the story of how you here at New Life and you here in Bertha and in uh, other areas of Minnesota have have had such an impact in Cote d'Ivoire. So um, one of the things that we have all been called to is to be fishers of men as disciples of Christ. And as those of you, um, Jack and Pastor Jason, Jason, Dave and Nate and Jeff and Ryan had the opportunity to see in Cote d'Ivoire, there are some beautiful pieces of artwork that are made locally. And these are called batiks. And we want to invite Pastor Jason up. This is a batik that was made by a local artist in Cote d'Ivoire, and it is a depiction of Jesus in the boat with the disciples when he calls them to be fishers of men. And we want to give this to you here at New Life Church as a small thank you for the way that you have invested. And as you are fishers of men here in your local area, you also make it possible for us to work and for the Lord to work in Cote d'Ivoire for us to be fishers of men there as well. Thank you. We will turn it over to Pastor Jason. Uh, I think he's going to have a question time here. 
So uh, that's the first time I've seen those videos. <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a moment here. <laughs> so I don't know, Dave, Nate, Ryan, Dan, Jack, Jeff. Um, thank you for putting together that. That, um, that was good. Okay, I'm going to pull it together. Here we go. So you have got questions, I think, maybe. I would like you to ask questions right now, uh, anything you want. And, of course, one of the major questions that we need to come to is, um, when can we go back? So I don't know what that's looking like or not, but I imagine somebody will ask something about that. So here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, bonjour, bonsoir, bon après-midi. Ah, ça va bien? Oui, ça va. Okay. I'm not too good at that. Uh, you got me emotional. Nearly three decades ago, I was one of those kids that was receiving sponsorship. I don't even know where to start from. I come from Liberia, where I was born, an American colony. We really don't like Africost. They are French. We are Americans. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yep. It's that American arrogance, whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm uh, Dave and Nate come by my property, and we talked, and they told me about the church. What gravitated me to this church was the fact that you have a hand in Africa. That becomes very personal for me. About three decades ago, during the heat of the war in Liberia, I was separated from my biological parents, and they were presumed dead. So I was adopted by Jewish missionaries, and I was raised in Jewish courtship. You know, synagogue and all of that. Today I have a beautiful wife, six daughters, and one granddaughter. Forgive me. But when I watched those videos, it took my mind way back. When I see the little girl, Suzanne, it took me way back. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that I was very blessed to be adopted and come to America and become an American. But there were millions who were never lucky to be adopted. We cannot depend on donations and international support as Africans all the time. That is where the problem is. And for what I've realized is for men of missions and missionary work throughout Africa has always been the look up to abroad instead of look up to above to receive God's help. And that many Africans have been trained to believe that the God's providence comes from abroad instead of from above. And so that I have had a serious problem with when it comes to missions and some of the sponsorships that I've done in trying to give back. Now, excuse me. My question 
to the church and to your ministry in La Côte d'Ivoire is what specific self-sufficient, self-sustainable, equipped, you know, or programs, services that you're doing that when you are too old to continue your missions work, that if God calls you to go to India or go to all the paths of Africa, that that ministry and that church will not wait for pastor or the church in Bertha to send bread over there for them to continue preaching the word of God. What are they doing? What are you doing to equip them for them to continue? That's part one. Part two, I know La Côte d'Ivoire, and I know their law when it comes to land and foreigners. They are friendly only until to a certain point. With Liberia being very pro-Americans, if you ever wanted to get land in Liberia to do some agriculture stuff, I'm a farmer here in, in America. I live right up the street. Talk to me. Talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. Great, great questions. Um, that's a, that, the self-sustainability is an element that is very important to us, and that's one of the reasons that we felt called to leadership development. We ourselves are not church planters. Um, we teach at the West Africa Bible Institute in order to train local leaders, and the local pastors are the ones who go out and plant churches. Regarding self-sustainability, Bobby's going to talk a little bit about our projects there. Um, our pro ministry projects in Cote d'Ivoire uh, have been intentionally designed to be self-sustainable. Um, as you may know, Larry and Leanne Sellers, the other missionaries to Cote d'Ivoire with the Church of God, are in the U.S. right now, and we are here with you. So right now, there are not Church of God missionaries in Cote d'Ivoire physically, and yet the programs and the church and the ministry continue. And one of the ways that uh, we are aiming for that to continue is through some of the projects. So Bobby's going to talk about that. Uh, so in uh, two years ago, uh, our, our mission organization, uh, Global Strategy, um, for all of our projects, we need to have an element of sustainability. And so right now, there's a project that's going on in the northern part of Côte d'Ivoire. And the project is uh, a ministry center. Uh, so what, uh, a month ago, we... Doug, uh, uh, we were searching for water uh, to build a water tower and have water, and they were success uh, uh, to do that in one try, and they were able to hit water. So the idea of this uh, ministry, um, this project, is to, after the water tower, we'll build the walls and they'll build shops. And the, uh, then the church, the national church in Côte d'Ivoire, will rent those churches out, uh, those shops out, so that way it'll be a source of income for the national church. And with all that, uh, with the income that they'll get in the future, then they can use that for different ministries. And the plot of land is actually one hectare. I don't know, that's about a couple of acres. And so they're planning to build shops all around that property because it'll be just outside of the main city. And it's an area where it's growing. And in the next 10 years, um, we, the city is gonna gonna be the suburbs of the city, and so for, just from renting, they can build up m more than 50 shops and rent. And so that's one of the ways that we've looked at what can be self-sustaining, and that um, by building those shops in the future and renting them out, the national church can 
get the funds to do ministry. So that's one of the uh, ideas. And then another one in the central part of the country, um, we, all of these ideas, we, uh, it's not the missionaries' ideas, but we sit with the national leaders uh, in Cote d'Ivoire and ask them, what do you think was gonna work here? And the other thing that they've said is an event center, because in Cote d'Ivoire, they like to have big weddings and they like to have, they would host these in um, a big, what would you call it, like a big hall. And so one of the things they've asked uh, the mission is to work with them in helping to build an event center so they can use it for weddings, baptisms, and other uh, programs, and they can rent out these facilities, and that would be another way for the church to um, get income and to, to be self-sustaining long-term. So we are looking at different ways of helping the church to uh, become self-sustaining, and we would, uh, in the next five or 10 years, to see that actually happen to produce fruit. Our goal as missionaries is to work ourselves out of a job. So uh, it, with Children of Promise, one of the ways that uh, we're investing, and you heard in um, you know, what we said, that this is an investment, not a dependency, an investment. We're walking alongside. And one of the ways that Children of Promise is doing that is to help children uh, be able to get education and to be able to stay healthy. And when they finish high school, then they are then able to invest in their local churches. So rather than, um, you know, some ministries work with orphanages, some with adoption, um, this particular ministry works to keep the children with their biological families, but to offer them the support they need up until they finish high school, and then they'll be able to be educated and be in good health so they can then invest in their community and in their church. So we pray that this will be a way also to to uh, grow the church and to make the church stronger in Cote d'Ivoire. We also mentioned West Africa Bible Institute and that Bobby and uh, Bobby and I were ordained, but we are not parish ministers. We are not pastors of a church in Cote d'Ivoire. It's all local people who are pastoring and leading the national ministries in Cote d'Ivoire. And we're there to support them and to be able to walk alongside in ways that they ask us to do that. And, you know, many of you are, are fairly new to our church, and the, the ministry partnership between the, the Church of God in Minnesota and the Ivory Coast goes back long before 2018. Kim, you went uh, more than 10 years ago. How long ago was that, you and Jeff? And Corrine went. Yeah, and so, yeah, and, and they helped build the center that is now the headquarters in Yamasucro that you're looking to possibly add on to. So our, our involvement with the Ivory Coast goes back a ways. 2002. 2002. Yeah, and so that's great. And by the way, welcome to Bertha, Nate. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to have you here. We're just, thank you. So, so that, was, uh, that was a great question. Yeah, you, we're not messing around in Bertha. We know how to do questions. All right, who else has a question? All right, quick question. I can do it through the mask. Um, so we're going to do a second offering to help support you, but I have a question as far as how do you have like a website to where we can give additional funding to help support the ministry? 
Great question. If you go to the last slide here, these are ways to connect with us. And all of this information can also be found on our prayer card, which is in the foyer, the narthex. On your way out, you can grab one of those. Um, this has our Facebook page. It has our Instagram. It also has uh, my uh, email. And it has a website, chawglobal.org backslash bjmiesel, where you can find other videos, a link to giving online, ways to be able to give uh, if you you want to physically send in a check or by credit card. And then the last one up here on the screen is our phone number. So we invite you if you want to take out your cell phone and just snap a picture of this slide, or you can grab our prayer card on your way out today and get all of that information as well. Thanks, Jack. Great question. And that question really matters because probably half our church is online right now. So um, that would be good if, if you're online, if you're watching the live stream, that's where to go. You should be able to see it in the little box that's sitting by up here in the air somewhere. Other questions? Hi, Jenny. Hi. Do you need more kits? Yes. <laughs> So that this is Carol, who uh, was able to sew our kits. We do need more kits. Um, what happened in Yamasukro when we got ready to do the training was we did the first part of the training. We learned um, during the training at Platform that the training took quite a bit of time. There were a lot of questions. We also translated it um, into the local language with the help of a, a local woman in the church. And so we found out that we needed to break it into two sessions. So we started doing that in Yamasukro. And, um, we had one session and then COVID hit and everything got shut down. So we're still waiting to do the second session. Um, but there are a number of other areas that are interested in having the program and um, are very excited about the kits as well as the hand washing station. So the element for the boys and the girls has been a really neat addition um, to what we're doing. And it's going beyond Children of Promise because in, in platform, all of the Children of Promise girls were able to receive a kit, but any school age girl who came also was able to receive. So thank you, Carol. Yes, we do need some more, and I can talk to you after about the I have numbers. Mark. Okay, <laughs> you already got them ready. Thank Quick you. Quick question. With all the uncertainty subject to change, what are your future plans? Um, well, our home assignment started in June of this year, and we're uh, planning to be here, well, we plan to be here until June of next year, uh, 2021 is we're hoping when uh, to return to Côte d'Ivoire. Yeah. So, what are the opportunities to come back? <laughs> well, once the uh, when this uh, uh, pandemic um, slows down, yeah, slows down um, we do have the the project up north in uh in Korogo that the the next step is to build a wall and to build different uh, church building uh ministry literacy center um and so yeah there's quite a few in the you know coming months and coming years and then we also have the uh um the cent the event center that we, we hope um, here in a year or so, we'll start on that. And then once the Abidjan land, we're still waiting on some uh, final paperwork. And so once that um, 
the squatters uh, are, oh, what's a good word to say, <laughs> declared, then we can start on the Abidjan right away. So there's three different projects um, in, in Cote d'Ivoire that kind of on hold right now, but as soon as things, uh, the pandemic dies down and everything, and it's safe to have a work team, then we'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> so we would love yeah. to talk details yeah. more yeah. with you over the next few months about that. Since uh, COVID-19 is a pandemic, how has it affected the daily life of the church and the people of the Ivory Coast? That has really depended on the area. Um, as we mentioned, there's a big city called Abidjan, which has a little over 5 million people in the southern part of the country along the coast. And that is where the majority of the cases have been. I think that they consider somewhere between 90% and 95% of the cases are in Abidjan. So what they did uh, as a country was they closed off Abidjan from the rest of the country. Um, first, they had uh, shut down the entire country, and then they closed off Abidjan. They closed the main road um, from Abidjan into the interior, and then they allowed the interior of the country to open back up. Um, but there continue to be some um, precautions put into place in Abidjan. And so what is, what is happening now is some of the villages, like the plat like platform, the cocoa farming village that we mentioned, they haven't been impacted very much by this. We even asked them, because some of our Children of Promise sponsored children are there, if their prices had gone up for food and things like that, and they have not been affected much. Whereas in Abidjan, um, there are still some things that remain closed. Um, churches, it's more difficult for them to meet there because they're more in the center of what's happening. And um, up in Korogo, where in the northern part of the country, where one of our other programs is located for Children of Promise, they have seen a rise in the cost of food. So there have been some different um, impacts based on where people are. Anywhere from more of the remote villages not seeing a big impact to the city seeing a huge impact and other areas seeing some economic impact. Hi, folks. I noticed in the uh, church in Narthex area here, there is a poster on the wall from uh, uh, Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, looks like folks are located not too awfully far from Nigeria, which is one of the countries that is hostile to, uh, listed on there, is hostile to the spread of the gospel. H how do you folks feel about the, the safety factor where you're located in that regard? I know, uh, of course, the COVID issue is major, but uh, there are other uh, concerns and for which we might be praying for your protection. Thank you. We feel very safe where we are located in the country. Um, we do not see a lot of uh, religious conflict in our area. Um, Cote d'Ivoire is a little more than a third Muslim and about one third uh, Christian, including both Catholics and Protestants, as well as about a little less uh, than a third is uh, local um, traditional African religions, and that which would include like ancestor worship, things like that. So we see uh, uh, 
range of different religions, but for the most part, they are existing um, peacefully within Cote d'Ivoire, particularly in the area where we live. We don't deal with um, persecution like that in the area where we are. Uh, we see some of it in other areas of the country, but in our area, um, we're not seeing that um, on a regular basis. Maybe not a question, but one of the nicest things about the Ivory Coast and the people there, uh, as some of you know, I've been to Africa many, many, many times and working with different tribes and a number of things. <clears throat> and in most of the places that I go, when we leave, as the gentleman was saying, the work stops. In the Ivory Coast, if you are, if you are laying a block and put your trowel down, turn over here to get your water, somebody's grabbing your trowel and putting blocks in. So when we left, uh, we left money there for the building, and my first question when I just saw you this morning is, is the roof, is the rest? Yes, the rest of the roof is on, and plastering is going on. I'm not sure about the floor, but the work continues. They are very, um, they take control, uh, not control, they take um, ownership of the buildings, and Believe it or not, a lot of that ownership comes from the wives telling the husbands to make sure that things get done, <laughs> which is very similar to here. <clears throat> so the work continues, and uh, back during some of the wars, we were worried about the main building, and the, the, the pillars went up, and, and Sherman or Larry, neither one were there, but things continue to happen. So when I would leave a project, I knew it would be finished. Some of the other places when I left a project, I didn't know if it would ever be finished. So it is a blessing and a, a, just a wonderful thing to work with the Ivorians because they take ownership. It's, it's truly a partnership. Um, and it's, a, it's an honor um, for us to be able to serve in that partnership. But as we'll say over and over, we're walking alongside. We're not leading anyone. We're not the head of anyone. It's God who's the head of it. And it's his work that we're doing. So it's not our ministry in Cote d'Ivoire. It's the Lord's ministry in Cote d'Ivoire. And it's a blessing to be a part of that for us, just as you are a part of that as well. Thank you so much for that clarification. That's been my uh, worry or my concern. Uh, Liberians are typically lazy and very liberal, and they depend on America for everything, you know, that welfare state mentality. And that's what I really hate as a conservative. You know, they just wait until donation comes, and when missionaries leave, project stops and dies. And so I like what you said. If you leave, they still work it out. And I thank God for that. We'll be praying for you. Thank you. Bobby had mentioned about the well being drilled. As you might think about our timeline, um, we were not there when that well was drilled. The sellers were not there when the well was drilled. That was all overseen by local people, and the leader of that project is um, an Ivorian pastor.
All right, do you guys have any concluding comments or? We just wanna say thank you. Thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for going. Thank you for sending. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness. It's a real honor to be able to share in a congregation where you are in our videos that we get to share um, as we go around uh, the country. So thank you for your faithfulness and for the ways that you partner with us. Can I stop you even if I tried? <laughs> Let me get the microphone. The little church building that they were they showed that was built in 2006. My father, who has just passed, was on that trip, and we promised that we were going to come back and build that church. It took a while, but but that's how steps work. And to my dad's dying day, he wanted to go back to the Ivory Coast. We just buried him on Monday. And uh, he took the, 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 the fun, if you will, of those trips. And every time he talked to me, he says, now, I went to Africa, didn't I? I said, yes, Dad, you did. You went with me two times. Oh, I wish I could go back. So right now he is. Thank you, Jeff. Something that, you know, you don't see in the videos are all of the people that have gone before and all of the people who sent. So we don't see the spouses or we don't see the children or we don't see a lot of the other people in the videos, but it's all of you who made this possible. Not just those who went, but those who sent, those who supported, those who sewed kits to be sent, um, parents who have, have been there physically before or have made it possible for their children or their family members to go. So we don't take that lightly. We are very grateful to the Lord for all of your partnership and all of your um, sacrifice and giving. Ushers, would you wait upon us? Thank you, Bobby and Jenny. So like I said earlier, our church gives a portion of our tithe to the measles for the funding of their missionary work. And you know, the last, when we got back two years ago, you remember I talked about yellow pushpins? Do you remember that? Probably not. The, the, the Church of God in the Ivory Coast is growing. It's expanding. The yellow pushpins are small house churches that are moving into the stage of calling a pastor, having the pastor trained, and, and turning into churches. And it's, there's, the whole map is colored in yellow pushpins. The Ivory, church, uh, the Ivory Coast Church of God is growing and moving, and the kingdom of God is being expanded. And so now is an opportunity to give a love offering to Bobby and Jenny, as, of course, the life of a missionary is a strange one in many ways. One of those strange things is that they come back to the United States for a year, and they go to churches, and they give updates, uh, and the churches that they go to are the churches that support them. So that's exactly what this is. And for the next number of months, Bobby and Jenny will be crisscrossing our country, having conversations, videos of our church. Those videos are going to be shown in probably 50 other Church of Gods in the next year as they go and show what's happening.
And so now, as we uh, prepare to give, I hope you will stay around a little bit and talk to Bobby and Jenny. How often do you get to talk to somebody from the Ivory Coast, much less somebody who grew up in India? It's so interesting. So, um, and of course, we, we do have someone to talk to from Liberia, who we get to hopefully stay and be a part of our church family. So that's just exciting. I mean, it's, this is just Bertha, right? It's just Bertha. You ever hear that? Well, it's just Bertha. No, we are not just Bertha. We are making an impact here in Bertha, yes. And we're making an impact in Africa, in the Ivory Coast as well. We are pleased to partner with you in the calling that God has on your life. Let's pray. We'll take the offering, and then I'll come up, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord God, thank you for this presentation. Thank you for the ministry and the, the sacrifice of Bobby and Jenny. I pray a blessing upon them, Lord, and upon their family as they are in this crazy thing called missionary ministry. Lord, I pray for the Ivory Coast. I pray for Pastor Francis and for the church in Semfra. And Lord, just bless them. May the kingdom of God be expanded there, and may the kingdom of God be expanded here. And so now, Lord, as we give, we give cheerfully in partnership. In your name we pray. Amen. Bobby, no, and I want you to deliver a message, if you would, when you get back to the Every Coast, that this piece will be proudly on display from now until whenever, well, maybe until the Lord comes, I'm not sure. Thank you for coming. Could you guys give a, a round of applause for the measles? We applaud not because you're good, but because God is good. And we applaud because we recognize God's call on you. And Mike Quants, you've been overshadowed just slightly today by a lot of stuff. But um, could we applaud for Mike Quants, for Pastor Mike? <laughs> Mike, we applaud not because you are worthy of applause. We applaud because we recognize God's call on your life in this place as well. And now... I give you blessings and peace. Thank you for coming today. And have a safe travel on your way back to Anderson, your base camp while you're in the States here. Go in the Lord's peace.